everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast Styrian Grand Prix review. It was, uh, I don't know, I'd say moderate Styrian Grand Prix. <laughs> Maybe didn't live up to the hype that had been built up over the last couple of rounds, but it was still enjoyable. I enjoyed it and it had a very good first lap, which I'm, I will talk about later, even if the others don't want to. But who are those others? I hear you ask. No, I don't, because this is a recording. But those others are Nigel Chu and Freddie Coates. How are you both? And Freddie, are you sat on the floor? I'm not sat on the floor and I'm doing very well. I um, have got my laptop propped up on a box from a curry house um, that I have yet to put meaningless bottles of cider and stationery in which is all because, dear listener, I am moving property because it's that time of year for students where their houses run out of contract. So I have been packing all day and <laughs> I am in a great state, which is why my lighting is slightly different because I pack my light. I like the phrase run out of contract. <laughs> like <laughs> Using little bits of the piece of paper as you go through the year and then it finally runs out at the end of June. It's like, um, it's like those calendars in um, Phineas and Ferb where you like peel off the front of it each day. It's like, like, oh no, on you. the last day of my calendar. I'm fine. I've been watching Cyclists Crash for the last three days, basically. That's been my yeah. Ooh, you more You monster. Yeah, I know. What's going on outside your window? What have you put there? <laughs> you don't want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually just a cat that keeps putting its paw out and chipping them up. Um, oh. <laughs> on that point, it's been a fantastic weekend as well. There's extended into the day. There's been three um, scintillating tour three stages. There's been the Euros. There's been rugby. There's been the best premiership final I've ever seen. And yeah, the yeah. lines playing. And it's just amazing. I love it. It's a great time to be alive and not have any work and have moved out and be at home so you can watch all of it. I'm loving and life. this podcast. Oh, and this oh. podcast. <laughs> Adam, you're like this. My mum bumped into the entire Exeter Chiefs game, entire Exeter Chiefs team game. on the day of the final. Yeah, she bumped into really? the game. Like, oh, whoops. You're like game. Um, she bumped into the whole team on their way to the final, which was cool. Oh, um, very cool. And Did one of like my friends it? played for the Harlequins. I don't, I didn't get he didn't get to play on that day, but he does play with Harlequin. So he's did she happy. like talk to them, or did she just go kind of, like see them across the street or whatever? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I, my dad I've made got, some joke about the fact that they would would have had a handful, but whatever. I've got a friend who's friends with someone who plays for the Harlequins. So yeah, mm, I've got no rugby related friends. Um, but anyway, after <laughs> I've got all of that out the way. Um, yeah, it's we'll, we'll move back to the Styrian Grand Prix. What did you both think oh, of it? Because I, I thought I really liked the first lap. I think it's the best first lap of the year. Um, it was, there was just so much going on really? to me. Anyway, I really liked it. Yeah, there was like there was the uh, Hamilton Perez Norris battle. I think going on. There was a um, joust further oh, back. Yeah. There was Leclerc and Gasly coming together. Um, oh. It was, it was, was it Alonso and Stroll had a good battle going through? Oh, it was just, I, I really liked it. There was kind yes. of stuff to watch all the way through the lap, and, and it was a complete lap as well, which we haven't had for a lot of first laps, it feels like, <laughs> this year so far. I really liked that. After that, it kind of dug down a bit. There wasn't really a battle for the lead. There wasn't even kind of any, any way that a strategy could have helped Hamilton. I think mm-hmm. there was a bit of a, um intrigue for the final podium spot, and I think Leclerc really lit it up. But yeah, what do you... I don't know. I'd, I'd rate it a six out of ten as a race. I think it was 
probably the joint worst race of the year for me, along with Monaco. It really, it really doesn't grab me at all. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you both mean. That's the kind of thing. Like, it was dull, but also had good bits to it, and it's kind of like. There was no opportunity for storylines to develop after about lap eight was the, the kind of thing that made it a bit gentle, I kind of thought. I mean, things did, like, you know, the George Russell um, despair, which I'm sure we'll get on to. Um, but I think, because we've been yeah. so treated with fights for the lead, and the, even in Monaco, yeah. science was three seconds off um, Verstappen for the majority of it, and Bottas was closer in the early stages. There was still intrigue at the front, Whereas in this race, I think it was so in the pocket of Red Bull so early on in that race that it felt that's what kind of um, soured it, unfortunately. Like, yeah, you can and you can have a DRS train with lots of cars in it for a long time, um, which is obviously cars close to each other. But it was, you know, that issue you get where one yeah. car is just that little bit too far in front and then the rest of them behind are able to defend and defend and defend and defend defend and defend and that went from what um alonso back to giovanazzi i think um at points which was you know basically seventh to 14th which is you know a good cusp to be close to each other but there wasn't that kind of opportunity to be banzai and to keep it closer yeah. we would do we'll do a boring race i think um... I guess we kind of got it. Mm, I think I, I think it was a f- third worst race. I think Portimao's still my worst, and then this is probably joint with. Monica. I don't. I can't think Portimao's the worst. Went to wheel twice. Yeah, we had <laughs> that. Our fight for the lead for a long time, and then there was there was opportunity for me. Portimao, like it was it was toing and froing the gap at the front for a long time, and that kind of thing, and. Then it yeah, kept going all the way to the pit stops with Verstappen versus Bottas and all of that. And I found that very exciting. That's More exciting than I did with this one. Was, that's why I said it was subjectively my third worst race of the season. Yeah, but I'm telling you why. Third, third worst one, not objectively. Um, but anyway, again, bogged down. Um, who was your driver of the day for it? Not Leclerc. I completely disagree on that. Same. I'd say Leclerc. Okay. I just, his race was good, but his race was good because his start of the race was bad. Yeah. And I, I don't know, for me, I think, I think science had a better race because of the way science executed his strategy in such a way that was just brilliant that he went from wherever he started 11th or 12th and finished in sixth. And mm. Leclerc should have been, higher than where he was because you can see what science did with his strategy so I think Leclerc unfortunately left a bit too much on the table to be driver of the day for me I think I, he, I think I'll, I'll, let go go. Oh, right. I'll go uh, I'll go I, again um, I, Leclerc I, left too I, much on the table I was gonna Nigel, s- what do you think <laughs> I want to know Adam, Adam I, was, I was gonna say I don't think he could be it could be Leclerc because it was kind of like Hamilton in Imola he made a crucial error but then his comeback drive was phenomenal. Because of that mistake, he didn't execute the perfect or near-perfect race. So I don't think a driver who does something pretty silly, because it was a bit of a clumsy move to puncture Pierre Gasly's uh, yeah. left rear tyre, I don't think he can be driver of the day for me. There's probably 
three or four other drivers I'd have ahead of him at least. I think, I think for me, he made the race, to be honest. It was him coming back through the field that was the most exciting, um, most action-y yeah. part of it, to be honest. So I think there's that aspect. It was a fantastic recovery drive. Yes, it was his mistake that caused it, but he still came came back through. And I think that was that was a very good drive from you know a poor position. I don't think many drivers could have done that. So he's mine. So after you both said who it isn't... Um, who is both of yours or each of yours? Well, I just said Carlos Sainz, but I'd also put um, Fernando Alonso up there based on um, the way he completely trounced Esteban Ocon this weekend in a track. They've been very open as a team, Alpine, about the fact that this car doesn't work on this track, and yet he still managed to get it into Q3 and still managed to um, basically to score points somehow in mm. the Alpine. I think that was a fantastic job. And also, you can never ignore Lando Norris after the race he had, I yeah. think. I think they both did better. All three of them, Science, Alonso and Norris, deserved it more, <laughs> in my opinion. Freddie's taken Leclerc. one six of the grid there <laughs> for driver of the day. Uh, well, that well, probably Stappen. means I'm left, yeah, I'm left with Is... Verstappen then, I think. Uh, I mean, he was pretty flawless. There was a few moments on the team radio, as usual, with Verstappen, where you think, oh, there might be a problem, but... He had it all under control, and he does. When when he when he has the car, just like Hamilton, he just delivers and executes uh, and extracts the maximum performance or near maximum performance from the car. And he 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 never came under any threat. And gap to Perez as well all weekend on, on such a short track. It was two or three attempts, maybe a bit more at, at crucial moments. I think that's quite impressive too. Uh, so I think I think Verstappen gets it for me. Mm, yeah, I think he's. I think he was probably the best driver on the day. But driver of the day is a bit ambiguous. What is it? Is it the best Monegas driver <laughs> of the, the day? Best driver if on the so, day. Best Monegas driver of the day. Yeah, if so it's Charles Leclerc every week. Um, to be fair, when you think about it, for um, a race that we've just Nigel and I at least have said was you know not fantastic, there were some actually very very good standout performances across the field. Yeah. And I think yeah, we'll speak about Russell. But I think Raikkonen had a very good showing as well in the race after mm. a poor qualifying. So he had a very good race. Um, the other drivers we've obviously mentioned, but um, uh, looking at where Verstappen was and then where Bottas and Perez was, I think Hamilton also did a very good job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think for this to be a kind of contender for worst race of the season, eight races in kind of shows the quality of the yeah, season the so previous far. seven. Really, yeah. Um, and the testing. The testing was fantastic. That wasn't a race, though. <laughs> So you can't. They had a sandstorm. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Very exciting. covering off the um, win, obviously, Verstappen took pole and the win. Hamilton was second without the pole, but with the fastest lap. Do you think there's anything that Mercedes and Hamilton could have done differently? Or was it just Red Bull had a complete handle on this? Uh, I think the combination of Red Bull and Verstappen yeah. was unbeatable at the weekend. I'd say I don't think there's anything else to do. Even perhaps if he took the lead at the start, who knows what what would have happened? Perhaps it would have been a bit like Spain, where it would where it took Hamilton a while to get past Verstappen. Perhaps it would have been the same here. We don't know, but to me, I think there's not much he could have done. And I think Mercedes really need to think about developing their car or doing something to try and claw back a little bit of time because in qualifying. I don't think they have any chance. In the race, we're a bit closer on some tracks, as we saw 
in France and Azerbaijan and stuff. But uh, well, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think in, almost certainly Verstappen is going to take probably about at least 10, 12 pole positions this year, I think. And Lewis said as much regarding the development. He mm-hmm. he views it that they need to bring something in the engine or yeah. in the car because yeah, it just it felt like they were kind of soundly beaten this weekend. And the the engine is somewhere they can bring developments to because the cost cap doesn't count for the power unit departments of companies. So because otherwise it would be unfair for someone like Williams say to have a cost cap that can be solely put towards the car whereas for Mercedes then they've got to have that money towards power units as well that kind of thing so they well, can can't develop the performance still can you it can only be reliability has to think because it's the Is same that... engine for the whole year well no it's not they haven't done the engine freeze yet have they no no they have you, you, they you, you Honda can develop it over, over the week. winter you can't develop you can't develop it but Honda brought an upgrade last week I thought they'd bring that in for 2022. Not, not performing. Oh, well, that's me told. I'm 95% sure you can't. That's I thought why, they were bringing it in for Mercedes next year. Are, are, that's why Mercedes are banging on about how have Red Bull got this straight line speed uh, because they're confused how they were the benchmark and now they're not. And uh, Honda bought a new or a fresh engine uh, for France, didn't they? But Red Bull have also been running running a low rear wing, which has helped them with their straight line speed. No, so, it's, yeah, it's, you can't... it's for 2022. Yeah, I've just had a look and it says... says Engine freeze sure 2022. Well, I'll send you the link for the Formula One article if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll put, it, put it in the description of the uh, video as well. <laughs> it says a, a proposal to freeze power unit development from 2022 has been given unanimous approval. Um so that makes me think they're allowed to upgrade engines and power units at the moment in 2021. I think I'm allowed to think that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's you, you're allowed to upgrade until the end of 2021. No. Then it's yeah. frozen until 2025, I believe. Is it? Um, I'm not sure whether it's the start or end of that year, season, whatever. Um, but this will rumble and we'll probably put a correction out on Twitter if whoever's wrong. Um, so after looking at those engine rules, Nigel, do you want to explain what we've found? So basically, as far as I'm aware, and I'm 99% sure you cannot bring any performance upgrade to your power unit, but Mercedes are not happy that Red Bull have found some straight line speed in the last couple of races. Now, Red Bull with Verstappen have taken the second power unit as Freddie puts fire next to his nose, as you will be, you will be able to see on YouTube. Uh, they brought a second power unit to the French Grand Prix, which had a reliability upgrade. They also had a new uh, new fuel as well, which can help with which can help with performance. After Bahrain, Honda spotted a problem with Pierre Gasly's Honda engine, which meant that all four Honda-powered cars had to turn their engines down a little bit for the next five or six races. But now they've all got their fresh power units in the car; they can run it full pelt again with Red Bull's uh, low downforce rear wing that's why their straight line speed is so good but there's no performance uh, upgrades well said and keeping with that theme of the championship where does this leave Hamilton and Mercedes because to me it just feels like that Baku 
mishap is or mistake is becoming more and more costly because he if it weren't for that he'd still be leading the championship and you know that is ultimately driver error obviously you could say about Verstappen's crash in the same race and he could be further behind but you know it was it was driver error that has, has cost them the lead of the championship I think. It's a really strange one to say that but you're right it's really strange for driver error to be the reason Hamilton's yeah behind the championship because it's all well and good being beaten fair and square in pace because we can say that about a lots of like well, I don't know um Antonio Giovinazzi lost last year because he was in the Alfa Romeo and that kind of thing um but obviously he's also made a few driver errors but anyway um that's not why he's not losing the world championship whereas for Lewis Hamilton it is and that's mad yeah, there's a long way to go, so it's definitely, definitely not over. And I don't buy that uh, Total Wolf he said that Mercedes won't be bringing any upgrades at all. I don't, I don't buy that. I'm sure there will be some small tweaks, or they will find something with tyre performance or work something out with the setup which can help them get the car into a better window, which seems to be a problem sometimes. Mercedes will get stronger. It's just whether it's going to be enough with Red Bull, who seem to be putting all their eggs into this year and just going for it with Verstappen to get the world title, Honda leaving as well. They want to win the world title with them. So it's going to be tricky and it's a much bigger threat of for Mercedes of losing their title compared to Ferrari in 2018 and 2017. This, mm. is, this is very different. It's Red Bull look like the real deal and they have to be favourites, but it's not over. I think... I think Silverstone will be important, but that's usually a Mercedes and Hamilton track. If if they're well beaten there, then then we can probably really start talking about can Mercedes bring it back. But for now, there's still what 15, 16 races. Mm, I I agree with that. It, it's kind of it's weird to think that there's there's still uh, two thirds of the season still to go. It just yeah feels feels like there's been. So much already, I think. I guess if it was last season, we'd be halfway through. But yeah, there, there is still so much, so much running. So I was going to say the same that Silverstone feels like a big, a bit like Monaco. You mm. said for Red Bull, it feels like yeah. Silverstone would be a big one for Mercedes in front of Hamilton's home fans as well. Um, but You've yeah, been it before. Giovinazzi, if 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 Giovinazzi <laughs> can't, you know, pick up the win there, I think that might be his. <laughs> bit over it kind of reminds me of the, the tweet that's gone around for like the last few years um at some point in the year that's like if Williams don't get a one-two here then <laughs> and every other race yeah <laughs> one-two <laughs> and fastest lap at every other race and a specific set of results happens to the top teams as well but yeah it's, it's, it's out ridiculous of the championship. <laughs> I will say we've kind of been here before with Red Bull um I, I, I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on this in 2013 where it was kind of open at the start of the season. You had Rosberg and Hamilton able to win races, Fernando Alonso too. Um, oh, both um, Hamilton, Rosberg won, what, two races that year? Alonso too, yeah. Hamilton a race. So, like, it was open against Vettel and Red Bull. And then he blitzed it with nine on the trot to end the season. Like, and that came before a regulation change where then Red Bull were yeah. caught short. And how many laps did they do in testing in 2014? negligible in comparison to a Grand Prix distance, basically. So you can't, I know it's not a power unit up, um, up uh, regulation change, but are Red Bull, um, and Hamilton alluded to this, are Red Bull putting their eggs in one basket with, um, by sacrificing what they could be doing next year? It's, um, 
Is that the season where Grosjean finished off as like the best driver over like the running yeah. bar bar Vettel? I think it is. And they had a bigger um, drop off a year later as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It. I, I don't think it was the same Mercedes then. To be honest, I think Mercedes then were a lot more. They were strong in qualifying, but they it just felt like they were still another season or two away in the race, even if those regulations had stayed in place, to be honest. I don't think, I, yeah, yeah, I don't kind of remember too much like the specific events, but I do remember kind of most races. Be like, oh, Mercedes are on par. I wonder if they can do it. No, they couldn't. Um, apart from as a couple of times or three times, as Freddie said. Nigel, do you concur well, with either of us? If I remember right, the 2013 season, there was a tyre change because of the Silverstone blowout. And then after that, Vettel won nine races in a row because he changed the structure <laughs> of the tyre. Uh, whether really? that's a coincidence, we'll, we'll never know. Uh, but yeah, he was always that, good on those tyres, wasn't he? Yeah. And well, interestingly, the, the, the changing in the tyres <laughs> this year as well uh, because of the blowouts in Baku. There's talk about uh, for, the, for the British Grand Prix that they're going to change the rear tyres or something like that. I don't know if that's going to have an effect. So I think it's slightly different uh, whether whether putting all their eggs into this year into into the basket for this year will hurt them next year in theory it should but i mean they're pretty it's good incredible, isn't at it? what they're, they're doing they're not, they're not go- yeah there will be some or a lot of people working on next year's car as well as this year's i think and uh yeah i, I don't it would be a massive surprise if they if they fell down to the to how much they fell in 2014. I think, you know, they should still be they, up they there. They still won races. So, I, just, that, yeah. I guess you just never know with, with, with these kind of things. But I think they're doing the right thing. I'll say that. I think mm. I think to be the team that ends Mercedes' dominance, to end Hamilton's reign, I think that's more important in a way. Or like, just for reputation and history, I think that's it, it's the right thing to do for Red Bull. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. I get where you're coming from. I think it's difficult to judge that without kind of knowing how they'll do kind of post-regulation change. But I will say, I think this would be their most impressive championship win if they do get it. But moving on to the second Red Bull driver, actually just a point on that. It just, this race showed the difference between like um, two, two of the drivers at the top of their sport and two of the, you know, best drivers of the modern era in the, you know, Perez and Bottas, who are no slouches at all. And they just, you know, they were a class below Hamilton and Verstappen. But moving on to those two, um, do you, obviously, Bottas got the podium, which I think is a decent result for Mercedes, really, to get a double yeah. podium. But do you, he got that, I, I think, largely from a slow stop for Perez. It was a mess, a botch stop for Repo, which we very rarely see. I think it was about five seconds. And that allowed Bottas to get track position and then... They rebel pitted uh, Perez with was it about ten laps to go? Or is it oh, like 15 eighteen nineteen? Oh, okay, it was a bit, uh, around like fifty. Um, so yeah, do you do you think that was the right strategy from Red Bull once af- after the pit stop, or do you think they should have? Because Perez did seem to be closing in a bit on Bottas. Oh, it was the right strategy, I think, because he he never got to the gap he did in the final lap, even when he was closing in. He got to what a second and a half, and then it kept going back to two, back to second and a half, back to two, back to second and a half. Couldn't get any closer, really. And unless he just shot his tyres and then basically let Bottas pass to the end of the race anyway with that. Even Perez, would, with his tyre-whispering skills, would have 
wouldn't have probably been able to make them last in that way. Um, so I kind of think, yeah, it's the right thing to do. It's a bit of a gamble strategy. And if they, and really, if they'd gone a lap or two earlier, yeah. they probably could have done it. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think they left it a little bit too late. They didn't use the full stint or what or the possible full stint to extract the performance possibly. But yeah, it was the right thing. I don't think Perez was as good as he's been in recent races as well. Uh, he seemed to struggle to get to grips with, with the car compared to the Stappen all, all weekend. And, and the Bottas, it was a good recovery, I guess, from his pretty stupid mistake in practice. <laughs> Uh, was so, it a good recovery? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, actually, it was kind of it was kind of handed to him when you think about the race. I mean, yeah, he drove the race he needed to really well. Um, but like you say, um, Perez had a bad pit stop; otherwise, he would have been behind Perez, and Norris essentially got out of the way for him. So it's kind of like I think he did his job because yeah, I, I think if he was second okay, anyway, yeah. he wouldn't he would have finished third. I think mm. even if he started on the front row. So I don't think his position really changed that much. He just had Perez as a bit more of a threat, I guess. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I think it was a good or a decent race from Bottas. Yeah, I I don't know. It, I feel I mean, like Perez would have had an opportunity. I, I, I feel like Perez yeah. would have had an opportunity to um, attack Bottas if he'd stayed out. But you yeah. know, it's it's. Like you say, it's one of those. It's it, it was a gamble either way, really. And I don't know. I might have been tempted to keep him out because I think he might have been able to make that work. But put, put the equally, pressure he, on gave it, he gave him a, a very good shot with that. He also took the fastest lap off Hamilton. Um, Hamilton obviously got it back at the end when he pitted. But um, yeah, for a time, Hamilton had it for, for a fair chunk of the race. But Perez did initially take it back when he came. Out. I so, think yeah. the tyre offset, I think the fact that Perez's lap, some of his laps were two seconds faster than Bottas on yes. such a short lap, on on a lap that's um, only at, what, 66 seconds, 68 second lap, in, so the fact that he's going two seconds faster, so I think because of that, I think that makes it fair enough that they went for it. Uh, it probably was more traffic that got in the way than, yeah. than um, lap time, really. Mm. Yeah, um, moving on to someone who was traffic for Bottas in the first stint, but then eventually he got past. And I think Norris drove a very good race. Lando Norris finished fifth, and it was it was a really quiet fifth because bar, but bar the start where kind of he was he was bottling up Bottas, then he wasn't really you know he had no battles. He was he was just there driving around in a you know afternoon in in Austria in the Styrian Mountains. That's off to Lando for his gutsy as hell move around the outside of Perez and nearly Hamilton um, at turn four on the first lap. You spoke about it earlier, Adam. Um, that was really good because otherwise he was taken by Perez and then he took him back really well. He did on, on heavy fuel, which is one of where, um, where the midfield cars can really separate from the, the, the top field cars. Cause like Lando shows that there's a lot more similarity in pace on low fuel in qualifying. But then on heavy fuel, with a slightly unstable rear in the McLaren, he was still able to just plant it past Perez and really, you know, make Perez's life a lot more difficult with that for a good few laps until he was just doing his own race. But, um, yeah, he, he got his elbows out nicely in that one, did Lando. 
Yeah, flawless, flawless weekend. I think the only thing I can criticise him for was maybe not being a bit more aggressive when defending against Bottas and Perez, but I can see why he wanted to do it. He didn't want to keep looking in his mirrors, lose time, look after his car as well, etc. Uh, so, yeah, smart drive. Another great performance. Seventh top five finish, I think, as well, which is remarkable consistency Huge. in that the car. 13 uh, races so, in the points. Yeah. I, I think um, just... On, on He's just his... driving better than ever for me. Yeah, I, I don't actually just think he defended poorly against um, Perez. He kind and... of let them through to me. He de- yeah, that's like... the thing. Like, I think the Perez... Defence wasn't the option, really. You, like you say, he let them through. Didn't need to defend from them. He could see you could see the way he was sat. He was staring at the car I going mean, past I, him. I, I it don't, was, I don't it's think... not defence, so it's fair enough. I don't really think... I think the Perez one, he just didn't expect him... You know, Perez, as they kind of got into the braking stoke, I think Perez was 150 yards or metres, whatever the braking boards are, back, and Norris was nearly at the 100. So I just think he didn't expect... No, he was make that move. He let him through. He let him through. Perez wouldn't have gone for that if he wasn't letting him through. He would have had... Yeah. Norris would have consciously broken earlier for Perez to actually see that there was an opportunity there, I think, based on, like you say, how far back he was. I I wouldn't have gone for a move that early in the race like that. He was looking in his mirrors as well. He he knew that he was like there. But but that's fine. That's mature driving. It's not getting caught up in a battle with a car that's faster than you. It's saying, oh, I could get a podium here, but I could also just ruin my chances of getting points by fighting for it now. And took 10 points fifth place and was still obviously in the best position to capitalise if anything happens to Bottas or Perez or Hamilton of a snap of the head anyway. And did the race that McLaren wanted him to do, which is something that a lot of drivers probably wouldn't have done. They would have been a bit more like, oh, I can I can stick it out. But he just did, you know, the absolute minimum race time, I think, is is one of those things that people yeah. talk about, particularly in a slower car. I mean, he's not in a in a in a slow car in comparison to the majority of the grid. But um it's still about like we don't know what these guys are going to do behind. We don't know what's going to happen ahead. Let's keep it as clean as possible. And I just want to ask one question for Nigel. Did he get a 10 out of 10 in your ratings? He did not, no. Oh, what did he get? Like he got a the joint or? highest. Yeah, no. He got the joint highest, which was a which was a nine, along with hmm. uh, Verstappen and one other driver, which we haven't talked about yet. I, yeah, I think it might be coming up soon. Is yeah. it the other British driver on the grid that we've not talked about, George Russell? Yes, it's Will Steven. No, yeah. Will the lad Stevens? <laughs> no. It's his birthday today. Norris's teammate. And Norris's teammate as a McLaren test driver, Mm. sim driver, whatever. We should say happy birthday to Will Steven. Yes. We are the only podcast who who said happy birthday to Will Steven. Not since 2015. It's the only podcast we've done where we said happy birthday to anyone, I think. (laughs) We might have said it to each other once, I'm sure. That's true, yeah, maybe. Um, Um, But yeah, it it was really... It was just a Russell weekend all the way through. It was fantastic qualifying to put it. Was it 12th or 11th? No, it was 11th and 8,000th yeah. away from the top 10. And then he was he was going great guns in the race. I think he was up to eight early on um, and just stayed in the top 10 comfortably in the top 10 until his pit stop. And he went in for his pit stop and it went wrong. I think it was putting uh, like air in the engine or something in yeah. the engine. Uh, he had a... Um, had a um, nitrogen they're putting into the engine they had um 
a leak like the valves that they've got to do they've got to require it to be topped up basically and so they had to put nitrogen in it in the pit stops but i think the leak was proving to be much worse than they thought it was which is why he then pitted the lap later to get another top up to see if that would seem to be to at least i don't know um later or later on but i think he had a really really bad leak in that engine which is why he retired because yeah you can top it up and you can run around in essentially 15th you probably could have been at after like other cars pitted um and you can you can top up a leak but it was just yeah it was clearly an uncontrollable leak yeah just a massive massive like a football game (laughs) yeah there's a massive shame because that's leeds at a football (laughs) game then or a pub Anyway, uh, (laughs) is France weekend or France race was great as well when he got 12, Mm. but this was another level in a way. Just missed out on Q3 by the slimmest of margins and his lap was outstanding as well. I I looked back on it and he pretty much much nailed it. Uh, But then in the race, I think the thing which you mentioned, Adam, uh, where he said where you said it was a where he was comfortably inside the top ten. I thought he would drop back, but instead it looked like he was going to move forward ahead of Alonso. He, he was just yeah kind of fitted mm. into the midfield and looked like a proper midfield front runner. He was just exceptional. Uh, yeah, he, so he was just, another, just brilliant. He was another one that mixed it up on the first lap as well. But that all begs the question: Why didn't he get a ten? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't because he didn't finish the race, so it's hard to judge. Yeah, I can't give a ten to someone who's not finished the race because he might have even, took out the even, whole field. You just wax lyrical about how much you want basically to have babies with him, and now you're still not <laughs> going to give him a ten. Yeah, for half the race, he was brilliant. The other half, who knows? He was still brilliant. He went into yeah, media was... interviews really well. <laughs> even uh, I, I would that. say about Russell is he was behind Daniel Ricciardo early on because Ricardo got a mega start actually really good start for Ricardo up to eight and then Russell though was able to catch up with Ricardo when Ricardo dropped out he was able to catch up with Alonso who had a bit of a gap there um which Ricardo had been in and Russell was able to keep himself in the DRS of Alonso which I think was the crucial bit of him not getting swallowed up um by whoever would have been behind him at that point um cars so um dark yeah a shark <laughs> so yeah so i think he was able to execute the race really brilliantly and was able to go really fast when he needed to go really fast and manage it really well as well and he um he did that on the medium tires because he started in 10th place because of yuki sonoda's um blocking of bottas in qualifying it wasn't a block it was it was a harsh penalty um yeah. i agree and yeah, he, he was on he was on the free choice of tires, but basically still technically the slower tires. So he was able to stick with faster cars on slower tires. So yeah, I am very very happy for George, and I just I'm just really sad about what he said afterwards, which he feels like this is a perfect storm. It's going to be really hard to replicate it, and it's true. And it feels like this was the biggest missed opportunity he's had for Williams so far. I think if he keeps driving like this, I am sure he'll get points this season. In if he says that. Well, he was I, I don't sure. because I think this race is confirmation that he is cursed. 
Like he is, just, I, I am... he is, he is cursed. He's had so many like opportunities, and just something goes wrong. And sometimes it's his fault, and sometimes it's not. But whatever it is, it, it's just he's cursed. I, he I am was, more sure of George Russell getting points than than I am of England winning against Germany. <laughs> Well, that's not hard. No one Absolutely aren't no going to win against Germany. Wait, wait, wait. No, I just realised that. Doesn't, that doesn't make that. If Georgia finished, no, if the race had carried on where George was, if you look at basically where like, Alonso was, George probably would have finished 10th based on Ferrari's comeback. That's one point. That's really good. It solidifies ninth ahead of Haas. But if he'd finished where he was when he retired from the race, which was 8th, then that would have been four points. And that would have put Williams ahead of Alfa Romeo and the constructors, which is a big wow. as hell deal. So if that can happen again, if they can get four points with George they Russell, won't. they won't. I, like th- there is there is no natural explanation for having this many opportunities and it going wrong every single time. Like it's, it's, it's just driven this well though, and that's why I think it will. I think this is this is going to give him so much confidence and belief. I think it will happen because I, I I don't think this was better than his Sakir performance for me. This is this is best performance in F one. Yeah, and what and what happened in his Sakir performance? He only more got three luck. points. He could have got yeah, more points more, in this more, race. more bad luck. <laughs> I, a jumbo sure. helping of bad luck. So it, it's 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 not happening. Proper it's cut. Well, bad luck. It will happen. Jumbo um, batters bad luck with chili sauce, please. Yes, um, but you some drivers that you mentioned there, Alonso and Sonoda and Lance Stroll, all rounded out the top ten. It's kind of quite a nice Stroll you know, all, drivers, all drivers who've like been um, worse off in their teams up to this point, at least in the standings, I think. And yeah, and now it's they all, they all did well and they all drove well. Like it wasn't. It's kind of competitive those those end of the top ten spaces, and I think there was good races from all of them to get there, particularly Sonoda. Actually, past couple of races, Alonso has really you know been back. I think this has been Alonso. He said, "Give me like similar to Perez, give me five races, won the sixth race, that kind of thing." Alonso was kind of in a similar boat of like, "Let me sort of settle back in. It'll take me a few rounds," and it seems like he has settled back in, and he's performing you know vintage Fernando now and it's being really good and I, I think you just look at where Ocon was I mean what Ocon what probably registered 10th for about a lap in the pit stop stages and then went back down to um to where he finished 14th or 15th not a hope in hell of being in the race and Alonso forced him that car to be biting for decent points actually and I think that was a really good driver of him. I think Lance Stroll as well. Um, Adam spoke about the first lap. Lance Stroll did an absolute worldy of a move around the outside of Fernando Alonso that basically secured him a points finish as well. Um, so well done, Lance. Very good race. Yuki. It's what he needed, I think, because he's had some I mistakes. He, yeah. he had a clean weekend. It wasn't he didn't shine. I think he didn't make yeah. any errors or do anything silly. It's what he needs to really? build on it, hopefully, especially this because we're racing at the same track this weekend. Uh, but on Alonso, yeah, I, I think I think the Alpine, in terms of race pace, is probably seventh, seventh best car. It really is not good, but Alonso's managing to kind of just extract everything from the car and get those points, whereas Ocon is really struggling at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, 
Well done to Alonso. Clean weekend for Snowder. And Stroll. He was, he was, he was alright. <laughs> what, what did Stroll do badly? To be fair, he beat Vettel. I he, think he had, had a very, very good all weekend. weekend. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I think he had a really good whole weekend. Did Stroll? I think yeah. the Aston Martin didn't deserve to be in Q3, and he put it there. So I think hats off to Stroll. Yeah, from mm. me. I should give him more credit. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I mean, Sonoda made it into uh, Q3 and outqualified Charles Leclerc in Q2. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think it was as you said. It, and then I don't know. I it's difficult with the grid penalty. I kind of, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, that's quite, I think he'll get done for that. But equally, like, I don't know. It's a, That was just kind of my instinctive reaction when I first saw it happen or saw it happen live. But outside of that, I I think all of them drove well. Um, probably Gasly was the unlucky one because he got, yeah. yeah. By Leclerc, he probably <laughs> should have been lap of you know, in, that, in that battle for, you know, kind of six-ish, yeah. um, you know, sixth or seventh. And he wasn't able to, so... Yeah, and it was it caused carnage as well because he, like from from the shot at the top of the hill, I don't know if the, it was the I assume it's the helicopter shot actually at the top of the hill for that um, turn three. Sky. Then you could just you could just he see him just being absolutely swamped. It was it just looked like there was a dead weight. Yeah, I thought he had an engine problem at first because obviously yeah, I so did I. And then I, and then he I spotted um, the puncture. I saw him get a puncture and was like, well, he's obviously got a puncture. And then he dropped back and I was like, yeah, definitely yeah. got a puncture. I was like, well, why he's not going to turn into the corner here? He's not going to turn in. And then he, Giovinazzi assumed he was. And yeah, unfortunately, to be fair to Giovinazzi, he couldn't go anywhere, but Gasly could go anywhere. Complete racing incident that spun Giovinazzi and gave Latifi a puncture, I think, as well. It's all a bit of a shame because, it, yeah, it did. You know, the chain reaction from um, Leclerc not knowing that Alonso was on the other side of Gasly, which he couldn't have seen anyway. Um, you've got a penalty, do you think? Okay. No, that one. Um, I think it was. It was. I think the Nigel's only thing that shouldn't punish every single crash with a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely no. It's three cars going down a straight. You can only in your periphery see the car next to you because the car on the other side is blocked by a car. So and they're both blue anyway. So it's like even if you could see it, you'd assume it's the same car. <laughs> blue <laughs> things are famously invisible. I've got two sets of glasses cases here. They're similar colours, but they're the same glasses case. That's my point there. Fre- Freddie has in a blue T-shirt in front of a blue um, like message, uh, pin board. So he, he is actually invisible. You can just see his well, head actually, moving around. This space behind me is, is, is shrouding his air. You don't know if I'm, if I'm actually part of the wall. Well. And I've beaten you in surrealness. I, I maybe just, I would have I'd... given Leclerc a penalty. Well, that's Maybe. a good way to get back on track. Yeah, but you um, would have given him. A, you could have. You would have given Max Verstappen a penalty for doing a burnout. No, I wouldn't have. That was. You want to be like, oh, I hate you all. I hate everyone. The, the How could they give a reprimand for that? But they don't say anything when you get three cars doing donuts in in, in, in Abu Dhabi, nose to tail. They don't say anything for that. Because, in on the devil's the last race. Dell's advocate because it's no longer a live racetrack and they do that once everyone's crossed the line whereas only one car crossed the line and that's what they'll say but then it's like well he's the winner so obviously he can celebrate when he crosses the line you silly people but yeah it's 
penalties gone mad. That's a protest in London. Penalties gone mad. The world's gone nuts. <laughs> so, speaking of celebrations, I was really confused by Tim Merlier's celebration in the Tour de France today because he was like shushing, but I didn't really get who was shushing. And it's kind of like there's been like three really crashes, loud bicycles. three crashes behind you really recently. I don't know. I kind of. But a bit strange. But anyway, that's just me. Um, you mentioned Giovinazzi there, Freddie, but also Kimi Raikkonen finished 11th. Um, yeah. Was it you who said he had a good race before we started recording? And do you want to talk about Well, you have to talk about it now because I've set you up. I said it when we were recording. Um, <laughs> even better. And, so let's touch on touch on Alfa Romeo. But I think, yeah, Kimi Raikkonen kept his nose in the pessimism the stakes. Got to get that in. There is a bit of pessimism in the pessimism stakes this week, to be fair, because um, I think Giovinazzi could have had a really good race based on his pace across the weekend. And it was a shame that um, he got caught up in that first lap stuff and he couldn't recover from it, really, yeah. because he was half a second ahead of Raikkonen in qualifying. We were talking about gaps between Perez and Verstappen and separating the great from the good and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying Giovinazzi's the great and Raikkonen's the good, but <laughs> what I am saying is like that's a phenomenal pace differential between the Alfa Romeo teammates there and I think Giovinazzi will be one to watch for the Austrian Grand Prix next week if if he can keep keep out of truck keep out of the way of a um a wayward Gasly because I think Raikkonen showed the pace in that car in the race and I think Giovinazzi had just more underlying pace than Raikkonen did he did at Austria last year as well actually and and he got his first points there in F1 in 2019 to Giovinazzi he goes well here so, I think, yeah, there could have been more from Alfa Romeo, even though they got 11th place with Raikkonen. Yeah, I think he could have scored points as well to Giovinazzi if it wasn't for that, if he wasn't involved in the clash. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Raikkonen, good ten recovery. Cause... in the ratings. <laughs> I <laughs> gave him a 10 out of 10 in my ratings. Like I do every driver just to wind up Nigel. <laughs> Apart from you Charlotte Claire, got your, a 9.5. For your, for your website, which I won't name for promotion. Uh, no, I just do it. I just I engrave it into the wall. <laughs> You're leaving it, leaving it for next week for, for when yeah. the new people come in. The new tenants are going to be like, oh, Giovinazzi, and he got, got a 10 out of 10. Really? Mad. <laughs> let's, let's hope that, Why do you only give Charlotte Claire a 9.5 out of 10? <laughs> oh. anyway. The driver who finished behind, actually, no, let's not do that transition. Let's talk about we've, uh, two drivers who may be. Because I was going to say Schumacher, because him and Mazepin had like another coming together that I don't think I don't know if they actually did come together, but there was um, Schumacher trying to go up the inside of turn three and kind of locks up and that yeah it's great I'm kind of loving that battle and they're kind of like uh, it's just fun at the back of the grid rather than them both driving around a la Williams 2019. But the one I wanted to talk about in a roundabout way was Daniel Ricciardo because I'd put him a knock on down as drivers who kind of behind their teammate and disappointing weekends. And we've already talked about Ocon. So, Ricardo, he did have a um, yeah an issue, like, kind of early on in the race. Um, I think it was with the engine, where he kind of had to slow down. I saw it in the race, I was like, oh, that's a great pass by Sonoda. And then it's like, oh, it's just, no, Ricardo slowing down. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of, he um, eventually finished 13th, and it was just another, like, eh, weekend. He qualified 13th or 14th. No, it was 13th, wasn't it? 13th as well. He qualified 10 places behind Lando Norris. Yeah. Um, but he started 10 places behind Lando Norris. He qualified nine, but that's still half the grid behind. And that's worrying. I know we've it's been... unacceptable for me. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm generally go that far. It is unacceptable yeah. for a driver of his caliber to be qualified that far behind. Oh, okay, that's an interesting phrase you've said there of his caliber. So you think he's a great driver? So is it McLaren's fault? Uh, no, it's Ricardo's fault entirely. So someone okay. of that quality can't be that far behind race after race after race. Yes, he had the problem problem during the race after a good start, but then. You know, you've got to try and come back from that problem. He didn't show anything after that. It's hard to overtake, of course, but it's just not did good it. enough. It's just, it's just, did it. Yeah, did it. exactly. Right, couldn't finish 11th. And the real worry is he was second in free practice too, I think. So I, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, he can have a good weekend here possibly. But then overnight, he loses the car for whatever reason, maybe the conditions. Uh, so Roberts. it's just a real problem. And, and during qualifying, he's he's slower in every single corner, especially on the exits of, of a corner. Well, he's losing half a tenth attempt on every corner. And that well think about it like this. There's um resolve. There's what seven real corners around um this this racetrack, mm. and he was seven tenths off in qualifying. Yeah. So he's a tenth off a corner. He's just slower That's everywhere. Humongous. Because if you think about, take, I know, um, your top car and your fifth best car, and if that car is a tenth off in a corner, if it's being driven by the same drivers, then you say, God, that car's so much slower. Ricardo's making this car basically double as worse than it should be. It's, it's, it's not understandable at how that's happening. I mean, I know Norris is talking about how he's struggling to drive it as well, but I feel like that's just a bit of mind games, to be honest, because, mm. I mean, maybe it's got a bit of an unstable rear end, but that's... What does what does the, the other cars have behind it, then? And, and he, was, he was able to drive the Renault fantastically last year, so... Ricardo says he's driving on the limit as well, so that when he goes back, looks at the data, one, <laughs> he'll be confused, but two, mentally, that is going to be very very difficult to deal with and it's hard awful, to come back awful. by uh so he's he's got the the lot well the fortune i guess of going to the same circuit again but i don't think he's in he's i think he's got massive issues now i really and i think this could be similar to what vet to the root vettel went down uh last year or yeah last year i, I think i think it's that bad I think the yeah. mirror of comparison to Ricardo's race that we've just had is that he pissed on the exact same lap as Carlos Sainz for the exact same strategy. He started uh, position behind Carlos, I think, and was ahead of Carlos Sainz in the first few laps until he obviously had his sort of engine freeze moment. And um, I don't know what Adam's doing. He's trying to give a mirror of comparison. Oh, okay. Adam put a picture of a mirror or a camera on the screen. Anyway, um, I've completely lost my train of thought. So um, yeah, so they pitted on both pitted on lap forty-one, I think. Um, I'm trying to remember, I did a bit of a study on it, and science then overtook on it as well. Yeah, I, I've written forty thousand words on this overnight, and now I've got a masters. Um, but um, science overtook everyone and got to sixth. Ricardo didn't and stayed in thirteenth. That's what makes it just something else. Is the fact that like, you know, everything's being done right for him. Yeah, there was the engine basically software issue because it was fine afterwards. And, but then it's just like, look, we've, this strategy is the correct midfield strategy. 
but you stayed in 13th. You've not got up to base. You should have been ahead of Leclerc at the end of that race. I, I mean, we, we, talked about how, we talked about how in France that was his best race along with Spain, perhaps. Of the he was still behind Norris, then, yeah. He was in the second half of the race. He wasn't really at the races. So if, if that's the level, if that's his best level or get, best performance of the year, it's just, yeah. I'm gonna, I think I'm we're just all talking. really, we're all frustrated and annoyed at it because we all, Nigel, you've said this about the quality of the driver. We all hugely rate Ricardo. You don't win any of the races he's won by luck. He's won them by getting his elbows out and gritting his teeth and nailing pace and nailing overtakes and stuff like that. And you don't win like a track like China or a track like Monaco. It's not like he's a one-trick pony either. It's, it's, it's in him, but he's running out of time. I can't defend him anymore. I think that's why I'm so... You never defend anyone. You give him one out of ten. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes for Ricardo. Who knows? I don't, it, to me, it doesn't really feel like there's much... I don't feel like, oh, if, if only like this was in place, then he'd do better next weekend. But we don't yeah. know. It's F1. We never know, except sometimes we do. Um, but anyway, the anyone else on the... Grid you want to talk about that we've not mentioned already? I've... I would like to just one final point on Ricardo, which is that apparently his his pace wasn't awful at the end of end of the race. It's just that yeah, it's it's everything else that comes with needing to use that pace, like racing and stuff like that. Apparently in the races, in the qualifying, it's not there, but in the race, if he's on his own, he can be he can do it. But it's like Sounds like he's scraping the barrel there to me. Yeah, yeah, it really does. If yeah, that, if that's what you're going for, oh, I'm quick at the beginning of the stint. I'm quick at the oh, end of the stint. He wasn't the one. He wasn't the one who went for it. It yeah. was his engineer, so it probably is scraping the barrel. To be honest, like, it's, it's all right, mate. Now let's get you a pizza or a schnitzel. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he goes over the next few races. But he's got a massive, massive challenge. Do you see him losing his seat? I mean, we talked about that, didn't we? Yeah, we had this conversation like two weeks ago, and we all and, said and, no, not. And to me, yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's yeah, probably an interesting question Adam, now. Definitely, no way. I still think no, uh, mainly because I think different regulations, different car, it might suit him better, and we know how good yeah. he is, and yeah. he can kind of rely on his reputation. I think, and it would be pretty risky from McLaren, I think, to to get rid of. A driver who's that good, so I'm still going to say no. But to hire us, we 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 know so much about it when we speak now. Like, <laughs> you, you rate everything so highly. So. And not, I don't rate things highly. highly. I don't. I don't rate. I rate, <laughs> things, rate lowly. things lowly, but never never highly. Um, like a Christmas yeah, Carol. I, <laughs> um, as we as I um, alluded to there, looking ahead to next week. We are, of course, on the same track, won't we, on? But the F1 is, of course, on the same track again. So we'll just do a couple of predictions for that. Hopefully Who... it rains because then we'll get something different. And we've got new tyres, so we might Ooh, get yeah, some still. Oh, yeah. Thunderstorm that was meant to happen on, was it Saturday yeah. or Sunday afternoon? Surprise, it still materialised. Didn't overnight, didn't happen today, won't happen tomorrow. <laughs> If we had to Maybe predict when it will happen in August, would, yeah. If we had to predict when rain would happen in F one, I think I get it right every time. But there we go. Um, yeah. Never. So who <laughs> who do you both think 
is going to win and be on the podium and get pole position. I think I think if it's if it's clean, I think it's going to be a Verstappen sweep. I don't oh, see how Mercedes can turn things round. Will it be clean though? Yeah, I think it will. I think I think the teams will have learned everything they can. Everyone will improve a little bit. The softer tyres will only help Red Bull more for me because I think Mercedes yeah. have an advantage yeah. on the harder tyres. I think everything points to Verstappen unless he has an engine problem or something. I was going to say the exact same thing. Oh, thank you. In that same northern accent. Oh, you was going... Oh, no, no. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I nearly went a bit brummy. It was kind of like a parody Somerset accent. Oh, he was going yeah, to yes, it was. That's it was kind of like that. Oh, he was the closest thing. Speaking a northern accent, or he was. <laughs> it's, it's just that's horrific. Um, of all the performances we kind of dissected over this podcast, I think that's the worst. <laughs> there, um, I I think Hamilton will win just because he has to. Like I, I don't I don't know I don't think oh, he has yeah, to win. Otherwise, he won't win. get his hundredth win at Silverstone. Even, even he has to win. Like yeah, I, and you I, hate him because you're awful. I do not hate him at all. You only gave him, a, didn't even give him a ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would go for that for the podium of Verstappen and Perez. I and, think Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez podium. Uh, and Paul, I'll say for will I? Yeah, I'll say Verstappen. Will I? You have. I'll you go Hamilton. I'll go Hamilton. Oh. Ooh, interesting. I, That'll be fun. I, I hope there's rain, just because I'd love to see Hamilton versus Verstappen in the wet on a pretty old school track. Uh, that'd be really fun. But yeah, we'll just we'll just have to see. Either way, Red Bull have to be favourites now. Either rain. Either rain. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't a joke. Oh, good. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's just two words next to each other. Okay. Let's have a quick search at Rebel Ring Weather. It's then if I type in R, it's the first thing that comes up now. Oh my goodness, it's going to rain from Wednesday through to the end of when it sees weather forecasts. Um, so that means it must rain. That means it'll so, be sunny for all of that time. Um, who do you think is going to finish eighth? Uh, Gasly. Uh, not a shock finish for him, science. really. Nor is that. Ricardo. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you'll get any points. Well, there we go. We no. will see. There's no but point. Yeah. I can rant about you again this time next week. <laughs> Daniel well, Ricciardo yeah. is the new Alex Albon. Yeah, I think he is. You know, I actually think he is becoming right. that. <laughs> Except, I don't think there's That's like a, a difference. I don't think there's a difference of opinion. Whereas, like with Albon, it was like me. Well, I think yeah, I, I, Albon. I was optimistic on him. I think Freddie at least started out more towards my end and then probably drifted a bit quicker but I think right. for a lot for a lot of the season I think me, me and Freddie were both quite optimistic on Albert and I think with Ricardo yeah. we're just like yeah it's not great um, but anyway we shall see we don't know that might be all the previewing we do for the Austrian Grand Prix or we might do another one with just me and Nigel or someone else we shall see but if not we'll definitely be back for an I won't Austrian be there. review Yes, because you can't. Um, we'll be definitely back for an Austria review. What will we be talking about then? Well, more cycling and football, <laughs> definitely. At least I will be. Will England win? Yes. That's a prediction, it's actually. We'll get into the final one losing. Freddie, will England win? 
Well, I spent all this money on a T-shirt, so they better win. Otherwise, I have to watch Germany win the whole thing. I've got Germany in the sweepstakes, so, like, you know, it's not... Oh, damn. I've got Switzerland, and they're playing France later. So, fingers crossed. Well, I'm throwing Torres has just scored, and he's in my fantasy team, so that's good. Oh, he's he's in mine. Yay! Everyone is happy. Uh, What a fantasy. Goodbye.